non-standard disclaimer. Okay, folks, this is Gina Biggs. As usual, we try to keep it light, but this is a heavy episode. In editing, I actually left a lot of silly stuff in I normally would have cut for time just to try to keep it light, but this is ultimately heavy. I get into what it was like growing up with and being an adult with um, generalized anxiety disorder. And we get into a lot of latent fears, and some listeners may find this content disturbing. This includes discussions about self-harm and sexual assault, and a little bit about ASMR, but that was accidental, and you go be you if you're into that. At the end of the day, we did this episode because we didn't want anyone with anxiety issues to feel alone. It can impact anyone and everyone, and in a variety of ways. My symptoms are my own, but it doesn't mean anyone is alone in this. And not to brag, but I am a successful attorney, and in some ways, my anxiety actually helps my work. But with therapy and medication, I don't feel like I want to cry every day anymore. I feel like a quote-unquote normal person much of the time. Although, please note for me, normal is ill-defined and incredibly subjective, which is fine. Uh, But I digress. Drink! Anyway, the point is this episode could be triggering, but we thought it was important to do. Because seriously, if you have issues with anxiety or depression or any kind of potential mental health issue, please seek help. It has made literally a world of difference in my life. Don't let any societal stigma or anything else hold you back from getting the help you need. Because you are worth the effort. I promise. Welcome, everybody. Welcome to the Always Never Right podcast, a podcast for Gen Xers who've gotten to middle-ish age and are wondering what the fuck happened. I'm Jillian Farrell. And I'm Gina Biggs, yes. And welcome to episode, let me see if I can count, six? Six. Six. I know, of Always Never Right. Yay. Or I know now that you've confirmed it. Um, Today, we're planning to talk about anxiety. (laughs) Something I am very well schooled in, but not school school, but living at school. So, yay. You should have probably had that in school. Should have. It might have helped me out a lot had I known why I was this giant live wire. What's that? A little bit of insight. (laughs) That's right. Then I might have known why I was a human chihuahua from early on. So, um. But, you know, we'll we'll see how things actually shake out because we do tend to wander a bit and yeah. that's OK. Um, but before we start, we have to talk about this evening's cocktail. Yes, cocktails. So if you have been tuning in on the regular, you know, our booze of choice this month is vodka. Um, we're also adding we kind of did it sort of on accident and then we kind of thought well let's make this an additional theme so this additional theme is like a flower theme we're recording these in the spring and putting them online in the spring so um today's cocktail is the l'orange grand fizz last week we had a cocktail with creme de violet this week's cocktail has elderflower liqueur so we've got like a flower theme going on 
Um, this is Grey Goose Lorage. It's got St. Germain elderflower liqueur, a little bit of fresh squeezed orange juice, a lot of fresh orange, a little bit of soda water, and just like shake that up and make it delicious. But I also wanted to give a shout out to Howard and Sons Ice Company in, in Dallas. They are not sponsors at this time. I would completely welcome that, but <laughs> their ice is the most bougie, amazing ice ever. I absolutely think <laughs> Gina just snorted ice, snorted cocktail out her nose. Yeah. Um, they have the best ice. It's these beautiful, like two by two blocks of ice that's hand cut and it is crystal freaking clear. I love it so much. I love it. And I don't care if I had to like give up getting my hair done in the salon and I had to cut my own freaking hair. I would totally do that to get this ice. And it's not, I mean, the thing is, it's not like super expensive either. It lasts a long time and it stays beautifully clear forever, but it's completely worth it. So Howard and Sons Ice, you're my heroes. Yeah, and uh, her ice does get far more shelf life than my Frigidaire special. So, <laughs> you know, it's all good. But yay! Okay, this cocktail tastes fucking amazing. It's so like light. It. I do too. It's light and springy and citrusy and the elderflower is a really nice backdrop. I really enjoy it. I think in general, lighter colored liqueurs, liquors, <laughs> liquors <laughs> different than liqueur is I think lighter colored liquors are a little more summery or springy or whatever than like bourbons and whiskeys. Though I'm not saying bourbons and whiskeys can't be summery because I am planning on drinking bourbon and whiskey forever. <laughs> Cause hello, it's my, it's my spirit of choice, <laughs> but, um, I think that they drink. can just be a little bit lighter. It is my spirit drink. Oh yeah. There we go. See what so I did there? So smart. That was so clever. Every once in a while I get something right. You're so clever. Um, so yeah, I think that's delish. I really love it. Awesome. I'm pretty, I'm pretty, I'm pretty happy with this drink and I'm pretty much anything with orange flavor or, or some sort of fruity fruitiness I like. You know, I like those kind of whiskey flavors too that are sort of bold and delicious. But the thing I like about a lot of the whiskey cocktails is that they pair it with ginger and with lime and with other sort of things like that. And I like those flavors too. Yep. Tomorrow's April Fool's Day. Did you guys do anything to AJ? <laughs> no, we didn't. Because uh, John, the one thing that we have ha had to adjust to, which meant I totally compromised, but that's okay, is that he is not a fan of April Fool's Day. So, whereas in my family, it was a holiday. Not even a little bit surprised by that. Yeah, but that's okay. As I've said before, I'm not a lot of a prankster. I've pranked you, but they were more like spur of the moment, like mini pranks. They weren't like big elaborate things. And we did a couple of little pranks on Millie, but nothing, I don't know. She's very prankish. Mm. I'm concerned. Thankfully, we don't have one of those faucets that like has the side thing with the sprayer. Oh my. Yeah, we don't oh, have that. So that it's... is good. Yay. Anyway, I already took us off on a tangent. We're not even five minutes in. I oh, know. excuse me. We're seven and a half minutes in. My apologies. <laughs> Keep up. Oh, okay. Anyway, so getting started. Yes, this week's topic is anxiety. And to absolutely no one's fucking surprise, that means I get to be the center of attention. 
<laughs> you are a little more experienced at it than I am. A little bit, because you're the Zen master. Whereas, like I said, well, I'm. You are. I mean, I'm not Zen, but. Well, you know, anyone standing next to me is going to look like a fucking Zen master. So that's true. You're shaking like a chihuahua 90% of your life. <laughs> Pretty much. Yeah. And that's not an exaggeration because I absolutely remember being anxious about stuff as a small child. So really, really what were you anxious about, um, you know, I was anxious because there were certain family members who didn't get along very well. Um, I had the hell grandma, which, you know, that just sets you off right away. Um, you know, the, the hell grandma who always made sure where I stood by leaving the price tags on all the gifts so I could see how much more she valued my cousins than me. Um, did that yeah. affect you? Like, did you actually care? Did that ever make a it, difference to you? It more pissed me off. Because so I'm like, well, that's not fair. And I have this inherent sense of fairness. So it's like actually one of my... Um, what's the word I'm looking for? not asset, but it's one of my detriments um, that I have an inherent sense of fa fairness. And anytime that gets skewed, I get thrown off course. Um, so it got me there more than anything. And it also made me incredibly nervous and burst into tears all the time. How much my grandmother treated my mother. That was not yeah. pretty. She was a total dick to your mom, who she is, was, as we have said before, is amazing. I know my mom is fucking incredible. Um, but yeah, I actually used to be a, a frantic kid all the time. I didn't want to go to school. Um, before I went to school, I was fine. And I really, really wanted to go to school. I mean, to the point where the principal um, who used to go to high school with my mom did not want to admit me because I was a summer baby and he thought I'd be too young and not mature enough to go in with the rest of the kindergarten class. And I was really mad because I very much wanted to go to school. I thought it was going to be like this big life-changing event. And I was so excited. So I actually like drew a teacher on the wall behind a desk and pulled all mom's um, books off the bookshelf and sat there and pretended I was in school. Um, wow. I know. That's so <laughs> I know. So, so mom actually called the grade school principal like I said, they went to high school together. People used to pick on him on the school bus and mom would defend him. So he always respected her. And she's like, oh, please, for the love of God, can you take this kid? Because we're done. <laughs> so in, the, in a good way. Um, <laughs> but oh, your face is perfect right now. Um, <laughs> trying to like, I'm trying to not call you out too much for being a complete dork on this. But oh, we all know it's okay. <laughs> I remember when um, you got me started on playing EverQuest oh, and yeah. you were like, holy crap, I thought you were a little bit of a geek, but I had no idea the full extent. Well, now you're getting even more insight. Yeah, it's like depths of darkness I never even knew existed. I know. I constantly live in the inner circle of dork. That's so. a true story. Um, drink, true story. True story. Yay. I'm going to drink. When we say true story, you drink. Whenever she says, I digress, you drink. There we go. Awesome. And if you've got this cocktail, you'll be happy to drink. We need to put up on our website, like the, here's what the places where you drink. Yes. There we go. We may as well, you know, set the story from the outset. We should so. do that. Absolutely. Take the bull by the horns. That's right. No. So anyway, I was all excited to go to kindergarten. 
And I, um, the first day at kindergarten or my hometown's equivalent of kindergarten roundup, they obviously didn't call it that in 1976 or 1977. I forgot how old it was. I don't remember because I was five. Um, But the day of kindergarten roundup, quote unquote, when I thought, okay, everything's about to change and this is going to be awesome. I got there. And the very first thing that happened was I was surrounded by all these other kids my age, which, as you know, never happened in my life to that point. So there is one person in my age in my family, Randy. 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 Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Randy. We've got good stories about Randy for another day. Holy oh, my shit. God. Oh, man. And I thought I had issues. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> um. But so that was the only other kid my age I'd ever been around. So now all of a sudden I'm surrounded by 20 of these little motherfuckers and I have no idea what to do because my whole life I've been dealing with people significantly older than me. Right. Uh, like the exception of Randy, my closest sibling was nine years older because I was the oh shit baby. Um, <laughs> <laughs> like, oh shit, I thought we had this figured out. What the fuck just happened? We were trying three forms of birth control to keep this from happening and I'm fucking pregnant. So. That's a lot of ew right there. I don't think uh, we needed to know that. Yeah, but you know it now, and you can't unknow it, so good That's luck true. with the brake leech. <laughs> Thank you for that. No problem. Yeah, so I'm surrounded by all these people my own age, and I find out they're all little shits, and I didn't know what to do about it. And one of them, the first thing he did was fucking walk up and punch me in the stomach. Um, so, of course, what I did was grab him by the collar and throw him up against a wall. And That's how I got boyfriends. There you go. It did, that did not work that way for me. What that got me in was fucking mm-hmm. trouble. Because someone said, oh my gosh, what is that little girl doing to that little boy? And apparently my mom was all like, don't be my kid, don't be my kid, don't be my kid. Oh shit, it's my kid. So, you know, but I, and I said, he punched me in the stomach. And they're all like, whatever. So I was like, I'm done with these people. And kindergarten gave me fits because I like, Everyone, all the other girls were expected to draw pretty pictures. Well, I drew fucking Godzilla. And I did so? beautiful, I know, I did beautiful water, watercolored Godzilla pictures. I thought they were pretty damn cool. Why is that and a problem? Oh, because you lived in the country and they didn't know about Godzilla. That's right. So I got crap grades. They never got hung on the walls. So one time I specifically drew the shittiest flower I could possibly drew and it got put on the wall. And I was pissed off and I'm like, oh confirmation bias you motherfucking kindergarten teacher anyway <laughs> you thought so, that when you were five yeah <laughs> well but maybe without all the cussing but you know essentially <laughs> so, so I remember beginning to withdraw within myself at that point I'm like fuck this I'm in an institution well, probably somewhat literally <laughs> where <laughs> should have been where I'm not being appreciated and the stuff I can do is not being appreciated. And I don't know what to do with this. And I completely withdrew to the fact that in second grade, second grade or first or second grade, maybe it was third. Oh fuck. I've already drank too much. Um, I got yelled at by the teacher for not talking loud enough and not talking up often enough. Cause when I was that age, I did nothing but whisper. So you're into ASMR. ASMR. It's a thing. It's all over YouTube. Millie's really like enamored of it right now. She's like, let's do an ASMR thing. And it's like people crunching up soap things and people like, it's super yucky. 
Oh, I think I think Jeffrey Star did one of those, didn't he? Yeah, I'm sure he did. Like they she- crunch up, they they like peel soap and then they crunch it up, or they'll like eat a pickle. Oh yeah, yeah. Or it's ugh. okay. Yeah, I got there. So for those okay. of you listening, like if you're listening and expecting this to be an ASMR at all, we don't eat pickles. No, yes. no. You'll I mean, hear we eat pickles because we like them. But we don't eat pickles because we like the sound of them. But if you like the sound of ice chinkling around in a glass or snort laughing, we got your hookup. You're in the right place. Yeah. Uh, so this, this is Howard and Sons ice. This is what it sounds like. Nice. It's beautiful. Beautiful bougie ice. Yeah. So I like I, I can see straight through it to the bottom of my glass. I think that's cool. Awesome. Uh, oh man. Okay. Okay. I'm going back. I'm going back to my notes. So you're back in kindergarten. Yeah. (laughs) Anxious. But progressing through grade school, it just got worse and worse. And granted, there was some stuff going on at home. I mean, I had a wonderful, loving, supportive family, but there were some family dynamics going on among other people that made some things a little off. Um, Are you talking about Aunt Betty? I think I know who you mean by Aunt Betty, and yes, that's that's who I'm talking about. Yes, so Randy's Let's just mom. Call her Aunt Betty. Yeah, Randy's Aunt mom. Betty. Randy's mom. Yeah, she made some things incredibly uncomfortable. Family dynamics should be a whole episode on its own. But I oh my god, family dynamics. Hmm. You know, my family dynamics are completely different. Um, because your dad's not the wall in between your mom and and insanity anymore. Well. <laughs> <laughs> the thing is <laughs> what happened was when my dad became insanity then my mom was the sane one that's terrifying that's ter- was she truly sane or just by comparison oh by comparison okay I just and then when my dad was not around anymore then we had like the utter and total so I've never okay backing up okay part of that thought like I have to like regroup to make that thought work I've never, I mean, I won't say I've never had anxiety. Obviously I have anxiety like anybody else has anxiety, but I think I have like a normal healthy amount of anxiety. I go into an interview and I'm anxious. I go into a test and I'm anxious. I work on papers or whatever it is in school I'm working on. Um, And I get anxious if I have something important that I've got to get done or you know, something like that. I'm anxious, but I guess I tend to be logical about stuff. My anxiety centers around things that I can't necessarily control. And my anxiety has to do more with probably one of the most anxious times I ever had is one time right after I started work at the company I'm with. Um, I was moving from one role to another and I was in training and I was supposed to go on vacation during this one long weekend type of thing. It was like a Friday through a Monday. 
But in order to get this other job, in order to move into, I was in a part-time job with the company and I wanted to move into a full-time job. I had an opportunity to move into a full-time job temporarily that would probably turn into full-time job long-term if I went to this training. The training was supposed to happen, you know, we'll say the week of the 12th. And I thought, okay, I can do that. My sister-in-law was getting married the week of the 20th. So I got permission to go on vacation that over that weekend. It was a long weekend. And my training got pushed back to the next week. And we're getting closer to the training, but still going to be okay. Going to be fine. And then the training got pushed back another week. And then I had to make the decision about, do I want to go to my sister-in-law's wedding or do I want to go to this training? And it was a very difficult decision. In the end, I decided to go to the training because that would mean that I would be full-time for at least six months, which we needed the money. And if that six months worked out, I would then be full-time from then on, which indeed is what happened. And honestly, doing that was probably what got me to where I am in the company today. And you're in an awesome place in that company today. I am. I am. I'm very happy with it. But I had to give up that trip. Mm. So T and Millie went alone. And I nearly had probably my first anxiety attack. Oh, wow. Because I realized my entire world was on that airplane. And if something happened, my entire world was on that airplane. And if something happened, I would be alone and I wouldn't be able to do that. That was not something I was prepared for. Wow. Wow. That's the kind of thing that makes me feel anxious. Okay. I don't have anxiety over like just every day. Oh my God. I'm, and, and I understand people who do. My sister does. My sister has huge problems with anxiety. Um, Millie has huge problems with anxiety. In fact, I'm not sure if we've already said this, but Millie's been diagnosed with Tourette's. We did. Yeah. Yeah. So part of Tourette's has to do with anxiety and depression. And because of her anxiety, um, that's actually some of that is part of what kicked the Tourette's really into high gear. And so she has a lot of anxiety around different social situations. And because of that, we have to try to mitigate that in some ways. So I totally understand people who have anxiety. I understand it on at least an intellectual level, but on an emotional level, I can't understand it. I try very hard to understand and empathize with it if possible. But because to me, I just logic, I logic myself out when it's possible. You know, in this situation I'm talking about with T and Millie going on this trip, they were both on an airplane. And if that airplane crashed, that's literally my entire world. It takes me a hundred milligrams of sertraline a day to feel like you do every day. That's a lot of sertraline. That's a lot of sertraline, but that's what it takes. And you know what? I'm good with that because now I know what normal feels like because I spent my first 30 years, which I'll get up to the point where I finally got diagnosed. I spent my first 30 years not feeling normal. 
Um, and, and I'll like, how did one you more like live your life? Like, how did you even figure out, Hey, this isn't what everybody feels like. You know, it took me until high school to realize that something was wrong. I mean, in, in grade school and here's something I've never told anyone ever. I mean, ever, not even my therapist. Um, but I'm still in regular therapy because it helps me and it's a good thing. Mm-hmm. Um, I used to, I wasn't a cutter, mm-hmm. but I used to take needles and I would put them through my skin and just twist them just because I found the feeling fascinating. I did like, that sometimes, but it just, cause I liked it. It wasn't cause it was hurt, hurtful or anything. I just, when I discovered I could do it, I thought it was cool. Okay. It wasn't yeah, like I, on the regular it was just sometimes I did it on the regular. I remember so I was sick a lot when I was a kid. Cause I'm, I have every non-fatal weirdly disease name you can possibly think of. She really does. Yeah. It's, it's just all the things, all the things. Although oh my. you have fewer things now. I have fewer things now because my lupus disappeared and so did the rosacea in my eyeballs, which I didn't Going know was possible. Back to, I didn't even know that was a thing. Going back to former fatties though, episode two, that, solves a lot of problems it does it absolutely does um but now i I remember they doing the needle thing when i was a kid and i do it in various parts of my body just to see what the difference in the pain level felt like and this is fucking second grade oh ew. Um, no i only did it on my fingers yeah um and i would do the whole dipping in wax because i like the feeling i'm like how close can i get my finger to the flame shit like that and i i think if my parents knew i was playing with matches and candles while they were gone from the house cuz i was a little bit of a quote unquote latchkey kid for a little bit mm-hmm. when mom when mom started working again not a huge amount there's just like a 2 hour gap from parental guidance but during that 2 hour gap i'd be pulling out the needles and the lighters and the candles Um, Millie has confessed a couple of times to trying to hurt herself. Really? One time she turned the water on really hot and tried to burn herself. And another time she confessed to like picking at her scalp. Mm. Tell her if she ever wants to talk about that, I'm happy to talk to her about what I did when I was a kid. I will let her know that. I think that might help her a lot. Um, She's talking to her therapist Good. And I, I went in last time and told her she had to talk to the therapist about the scalp thing. Cause she came in and told me both times that, Hey, my scalp is bleeding and it's really sore. Mm-hmm. I'm like, well, let's see what we can see. But I didn't realize it was a problem that she had created. Uh, yeah. And, and that's, um, and when your kids do it, it's when it really fucking breaks your heart. Yeah. Um, I actually asked Millie one time if she had had anything happen. And at some point, listeners, um, we may talk to you about what our kids have been through because we've both had kids who've had very significant traumas in their life, not through any doing of ours, mm-hmm. thankfully, because at least not to be sanctimonious, but at least we can say that we're good mothers. Yes. <laughs> but um, they both had um, really difficult times. Millie is adopted and she had a very difficult time before she was with me. And um, Nina had a really difficult time. Um, yeah, I think we'll bring on Nina as a special guest at some point because it's a her topic. It's her story to tell, so I'm not mm-hmm. going to get into it right now. 
but her topic I think is very important for mothers our age to know. Yeah. And to be able to watch for. And to talk about how to deal with. So yeah. I think it would be really helpful for mothers our age to... Sorry, I'm chewing my eyes. I shouldn't do that. <laughs> that's okay. Go for it. See, that's one other thing I do when I get anxious. I chew crunchy things. I just like crispy things. Crispy is different than crunchy, don't you think? I think so. Like a potato chip is crispy, but ice is crunchy. Yes. It's the and work carrots involved. carrots are crunchy. Yes. I think it's the work involved. Maybe. That's a weird thing to say, but maybe. <laughs> well, if there's a weird thing to say, I will say it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> anyway, I'll, um, I'll burst a little through because I do want to come back to the kids thing later because it's a huge okay. part yeah, of yeah. my anxiety. For sure. Moving back. I almost said I digress. Oh, shit. Now I said it. Drink. Uh, no, you okay. didn't drink. <laughs> <laughs> um, but moving back. Uh, okay. I'm going to go back to the whole. I'm sorry. I feel like I'm. Well, I am dominating this episode. You are dominating because I don't have anything to add to this. <laughs> it's okay, no. though, because this is important for people to understand. Yeah. That people that have anxiety can function in the regular world. They have to just figure out that they have this anxiety thing. And it's okay to feel how you feel. Yeah. And I think it was quite a while until I figured out at least how to fake it. Of course, there's the Asperger's aspect, which... Um, that's separate. That's Let's separate. add that on in another episode. Let's just focus on the anxiety for right now. Yeah. Yeah. But I got very good at watching... <laughs> I got very good at watching how normal people operated and trying to mimic it to the extent I could. But I always felt off. But anyway, so... Good. Let's go forward to high school. Um, Good call. Yeah, because I'm <laughs> I do it year by year, play by play. That's true. Because I could get into so much shit. Oh my gosh, Ugh. including how I tell. Remember the kid who um, punched me in the stomach in kindergarten? Uh huh. Did I ever tell you that in sixth grade, um, I finally got him to leave me alone? And how I got him to get? Uh, how I got him to leave me alone? No. Do you want to? Yeah, I think I do. Let's do it. Okay, so by sixth grade, and this did not help the anxiety at all, um, I ha I think we mentioned before I had grown like a ridiculous amount of inches in a very ridiculously short amount of time, and I had, uh, developed Osgood-Schlatter's disease. I don't even know what that means. Yeah, it's it's um, basically your bones become so brittle because they couldn't keep up with your growth that they could break if you fall over. Wow. And you fall over all the time. I know. It's my thing. It's what I'm known for. How did I not get that? Because I grew six. I literally grew six inches between the summer of sixth grade and the summer of seventh grade. I think potentially because I grew six inches within the space of like six months. That's a lot. It oh, was a lot. It had it, hurt so much. I remember how bad it hurt. Uh, it hurt really fucking bad. Um, uh, so I was on crutches for a while cause my doctor was afraid I got out. Of, I had to write essays for PE class. My doctor was literally afraid that if I <laughs> fell wrong, I would break a leg. You would. I if would. anybody's going to do it, it's going to be you. Although, you know what? Remarkably, I've never broken an actual bone. I've broken Are cartilage. I'm not kidding. I've never broken a bone. I've broken cartilage in my nose. I broke it several times, but I've never broken an actual bone. Are you kidding? I've never I'm, broken a bone either, but I'm not nearly the klutz that you are. I know. I, I've given myself concussions. I've 
I've never been in an actual fight. Like nobody's ever hit me. Believe that? Do you believe that nobody's ever hit me? No offense, but no. (laughs) I know. I feel like I'm somebody that people should hit. (laughs) Like I don't want them to for real. Like I'm much nicer now than I used to be. I think it's your delivery that gets you all kinds of, because you say it with a smile and with with like this flirty little la 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 that just (laughs) gets you so much mileage. Um, Oh gosh. Okay. Okay. So sorry. Trying to bring us back. So the way I got rid of this, the way I did this, this guy harassed me for years. So sixth grade, I'm on crutches. I'm severely overweight and I have a lisp. So... (laughs) It does not get better than that, folks. I know. I didn't cure my lisp until I developed TMJ and had to wear the splint in my mouth for like a couple of years. That cured my lisp. Although occasionally, apparently, I still somewhat slip into Sean Connery right. mode. You still actually have a little bit of a lisp. Well, fuck it. Anyway. Oh, well. I mean, it's not like a lot. It's not like you're a fist or beauty sitting on a thistle. <laughs> There's that. But, you know. Uh, yeah, I take what I can get when I can get it. Um, <laughs> so I was on crutches. I was a teacher's pet. I had great grades. Um, I had a lisp. I was overweight. And we were leaving PE class where I sat and observed everyone while I wrote essays about the sports they were learning. <laughs> and as we were leaving, this kid comes up and he and his gang of idiots um, are just giving me complete and utter hell. The, you remember what gymnasium store gymnasium fuck, gymnasium doors in general were like, right? They're giant, heavy metal, metal doors. doors. Yeah. So this guy was trying to get through the door. I grabbed him because I may not have been fast or limber or graceful or anything, but I was fucking strong. I grabbed him. I held him, and I held him in the door frame, and I slammed that fucking door on him over and over until he finally managed to wriggle free and run off and he did not turn me in because I was a fucking teacher's pet and if they had to look at him and look at me he knew they would never in a million years believe him over me oh of course not no like oh yes the fat girl with a lisp beat you up you poor baby crutches crutches beat you up yeah so But that was like my snapping point because I would stay quiet until that. And then then, bam, I snapped and just went fucking nuts. So anyway. Okay. Uh, Anxiety. Let's talk about your anxiety. Yeah. So flash forward to high school. Um, I finally, I lost weight. Mostly um, at least tamed the lisp, got off crutches. Um, Turned out I was pretty. Who knew? Um. I knew. I raised my hand. You guys, you can't see that, but I totally raised my hand. She didn't even know me, but somewhere in Michigan or wherever the fuck she was living at that point, she went, there's a pretty girl who just blossomed. There's a pretty girl blossoming in the Midwest and we're going to be friends. Damn straight. (laughs) Uh, So, um, but I was still anxious because I was getting ready for college and I knew I wanted to go to a college that not everyone else was going to. And I knew what scholarship tests I wanted to take and I knew what I wanted to do. And my high school Did English you teacher choose the college you went to. Like you were like, this is the one I want to go to. Yeah, I did. Oh, Cause, interesting. Because that's where my sister went. Mm-hmm. And I knew okay. I knew. 
I knew it'd be far enough away that I could gain a level of independence because this was the 80s. So an hour and a half away actually felt like 60 years far. away. That's far. I know. Um, but my sister was still there. So there, if there was an emergency, which there were many, as it turned out. So smart thinking on my part. Um, if there was an emergency, I knew I had someone to, someone to go to. So, um, so I was like ramping up for high school. I quit sleeping for two solid weeks. Why'd you do that? I was anxiety. So, anxiety. I was so wound up for two weeks because I, even though I knew I had my scholarships locked down, I knew I had my place in college. I knew I wanted to get the fuck away from everything and have a new life and have a start to start a chance to start over. I was still so wound up that for two straight weeks, my, uh, the spring of my senior year, I quit sleeping and my parents, bless them. They worked with me a lot to try to help me cope with everything, um, within, you know, what, um, uh, small town farm family thought was appropriate, you know, um, cause they like didn't believe in antidepressants or therapy or stuff like that. Cause they thought, yeah, I mean, it's a farm family. Oh gosh. I, uh, cut my hand so bad I need 170 stitches I better suck it up and go to urgent care and go oh gosh I cut myself I mean that was the kind of understatement that they lived with on a daily it. basis yeah I that get why you stopped sleeping though I was just so wound up I couldn't do it and by the end of the two weeks I was barely coherent and I was still going to school and still getting A's but I was falling asleep in class and I was all over the place. And mom finally broke down and took me to a doctor and said, can you give her a sleeping pill? Um, now, my mom has evolved since then. Um, so when my daughter Nina needed anxiety medication and therapy, my mom was like, I'm so glad you're doing this for her. I'm so glad she's getting this because it's the help she needs. But when I was young, and this is not a fault to my mom. This is a comment on the time period and how she was raised. Um yeah, I think fun. that didn't exist back in the 80s. I think yeah. it didn't. I mean, I just think that things have changed. My mom keeps getting really bent out of shape because <laughs> she had horrific migraines, horrible migraines Ugh. back in the 80s. And like to the point where she would literally be in bed for three or four days <sighs> in a darkened room, all alone, complete silence, throwing up. Mm. like she got hospitalized a couple times because she was so dehydrated in such pain and like she's all bent out of shape because there wasn't medicine back then and because in the 70s she wasn't diagnosed with migraines I'm like maybe they didn't know about migraines yeah there wasn't that back then they didn't have that back then oh especially at a small town in the midwest yeah wherever we lived you were farm folk you fucking sucked it up well, we weren't farm folk. Well, you weren't farm folk, but still, you, you sucked it up and you went on because that's what you did. I think so. at that time we lived, well, when we sh when she first got diagnosed with like migraines, I think we lived in Seattle. Ah, well, they should have known was, better. Well, I mean, that was in the 70s, though. Uh, like, okay. Who knows what they had back in the 70s as far as like they barely knew about migraines. And then we lived in a small town in Michigan and they didn't know what you could do for migraines and there was no migraine medicine and you know lots of luck but yeah so as you're talking about anxiety I mean I think it kind of goes to the same thing they didn't have treatments back then they didn't have the same kind of 
opportunities back then that, that people have now. That, you know, that's a good point. So, um, but mom did take me to get sleeping pills because she knew if I wasn't sleeping, it was only getting worse. And, and I thought that was huge. Um, so uh, I did finally start sleeping my senior year. Um, and uh, then I went to college. And of course, college, yeah, we went to the same college. Yeah, we did. In this, in this Midwestern city. And you remember what the on-school, on-site school doctor was like. Yeah, Dr. Hand. Yes. So I went to him and told him, I think I have depression and I think I have anxiety because I didn't know. I was just reading and trying to figure out what was up with me, but I knew I didn't feel normal. And he's like, eh, you just need to eat better and take walks. You'll be fine. <laughs> he was so smart. I know. Holy crap. So I'm like, okay, well, I can't get help here either. So at that point, I kind of gave up trying to get help. Yeah. I'm like, you know, I'll buy a self-help book here and there and it'll be okay. And then my senior year of college is when the whole kidnapping, carjacking, sexual assault thing happened. That happened. That happened. That's you probably might need to elucidate a little bit. Okay, so my senior year of college, I went um, and I was studying for an exam with one of my friends, and um, she lived right after in... she had a appendectomy surgery. Oh yes, thank you for it was like yeah two weeks or a week. I'm too drunk to remember after I had my appendix out, and I had a little car with like the automatic transmission like in the floor rather than on the dash. And I, I remembered that. I'm kind of proud I knew how to describe that. Um, so <laughs> I, I did everything right. I swear to God, I left my friend's apartment. Uh, I got to my car. I unlocked the door. I opened the door. And at that point, I waved her off like I'm fine. But it was 2 o'clock in the morning. And I swear to God, we were studying for an exam. We were not drinking. We were not doing any other stuff. I did everything right. I got into the car as I sat down. Um, I felt a knife on the back of my neck and I was all, uh, this is not right. And, um, this guy was standing there going, scoot over, I'm driving. And I'm like, what the fuck? And I drove like a 1988 Dodge Lancer, uh, with a hundred God knows how many miles on it. Um, and I was like trying to talk him out of it going, I can't, I can't scoot over the console because I just had surgery and I'm still in pain. Um, and he's like, you're going to find a way to scoot over the console. Anyway, this whole thing happened and he stole a bunch of money for me, but somehow I managed to talk him into leaving me enough money to pay the rent because <laughs> I have a big fucking mouth. Um, and, uh, as soon as he let me go, he let me go, um, in an area. I, I, I talked him into let me drive after he got the money out of my account at the ATM. Um, and I'm like, okay, so I can crash into a seven 11 or something. If I need to, I can do this, but you know, I, I ultimately decided not to, cause I didn't know if my car insurance would pay for it. Cause I'm going oh, through all God. this, <laughs> I know I'm going through all this fucking pragmatic shit in my head. Cause it's the only way I know how to cope. So, <laughs> so in, at this point, your anxiety doesn't kick in and you're not like just driving. Um, I think part of my anxiety is I begin overanalyzing fucking oh, everything. Okay. 
So everything in my head is like, okay, so I could crash into a 7-Eleven, but does my insurance cover that? I uh, technically, I think I only have liability insurance. I don't think I have full coverage because my car is paid off because dad bought it and I'm just paying him back. So I think it's paid off. It, all the shit goes through my head, which there's a whole story about Nina that involves me overthinking shit too. Oh, yeah. um, but um, which actually, I think I'll get to that in a little bit because it's hilarious, but it's an anxiety <laughs> thing. Um, no soccer there. I remember your wedding. <laughs> yes. Um, so anyway, uh, so all this happens, and before he lets me go, he like feels me up and tries to make motions down below, and I'm all like, I just had surgery, and he hits one of the bandages, and it's like, oh, you did just have surgery, so he lets me go. I'm like, yay, awesome! I didn't get raped. That's a big win for me. <laughs> Woo! I didn't get raped. Yay! It's a win. I know. You I only got robbed and carjacked. Yay me! I know. So I uh, drove to a friend's house and dialed nine one one, and then panicked and hung up. And they called back because that's what they do. And I reported it. And my mom drove down like a bat out of hell, leaving dad who was sitting there trying to gas up the car. And she just decided I'm not going to wait for that and took his truck and left. <laughs> so I mean, it was just insane. That did not help the anxiety which is no? uh, why no. i can't imagine how that would trigger you who'd have thought right but there we are and i spent yeah i always thought that was like the the trigger <laughs> you'd think and yet um i fucking spiraled out of that i mean i had anxiety anyway i fucking spiraled We'll have to have Millie rewrite the theme music to go like the slowed down. Like a very key. special episode of what the fuck happened to you. <laughs> exactly. So, um, but no, so it was, that obviously did not help my anxiety. And I spiraled for several months. I honestly, um, to some extent, I think that spiral ended up um, in my first marriage, to be very honest. Really? I think part of it was that because I was still at that point, because that was only a year and a half after this, I was still craving some measure of stability and safety. Did that happen to you after you and I were friends? No, that happened about two years before we became friends. Because mm. mm. that would have been, sorry, I'm eating an orange. That would have been October. I'm eating a booze-soaked orange. Yeah, because if booze sorked oranges in our cocktails. Fuck yes. We're both pretty blatto at this point. Mm-hmm. Cheap hits. So um, that would have been if that was a year and a half before we got we got to we got before we got married. <laughs> <laughs> we, we need to do that Vegas thing. Anyway, yeah. um yes. So that was a year and a half before we got to be friends. Then it would have been like three or four years before you got married. Actually, because um, you was, got married a long time after we were friends. I, actually, no. I got, um, that happened in October. Okay, I'm going to establish a timeline because it's much easier for me to state year, months and years than to okay. add. Because adding right now is not my Mathing is hard. Mathing? Well, gray goosing. Is First of all, math is in general is hard. Oh, but yet it's fun and it permeates everything. But now I'm getting a, a little existential, so I'll drink. <laughs> um, so that happened in October '93. Um, I got met. We met in October '95, so it was two years. You before. met 
Okay. We met in October 95. Yeah. And you met DB in when? February. Well, I kind of met him beforehand, but I didn't become a, I didn't go on my first date with him until late February 96. So it was three years later. Well, we got married in November 96. I got married three years later. But I was still, I mean, this impacted me. I mean. Well, yeah, of course. I'm not saying it didn't. I'm not, I'm not questioning that part. Oh, no. No, but the, the, it, just, like, it was like a year and a half. And I was like, that seems not right. You're right. It's not right. Um, mathing and like I said, mathing and Greg is hard. Math hard. It's hard. I'm a liberal arts major. Fuck it. Hard. I was a liberal arts major too. And the reason I did that was because I only had to take one math class. Mm. Oh, I took a lot of science classes. As an anthropology major, you only need one math class. Nice. You know what's funny? My high school algebra algebra teacher, my first one, you actually said, said algebra. Algebra? You said algebra. My high school algebra one teacher actually said I should be an engineer. Ew. I know. Um, I liked geometry. I like geometry a lot because I can figure out a rug. I can figure out how much paint I need. I can figure out all that stuff because that was stuff we did when I was growing up. We had to figure that shit out. There you, did I ever tell you that after a tornado, my dad taught me how to make your walls of a, the walls of a shed a perfect right angle using the Pythagoras theorem? Nope. We just my, used a plumb line. Okay. My dad was fucking awesome. Your dad was awesome. He was awesome. I remember going. Did you know that my grandfather was the county carpenter at a particular county in Missouri? No, I did not. It was indeed. Ooh, was it? Well, I'll have to ask you where exactly that was later. Yeah. Let's just say it's a county where there's a big city and it's not the one you live in. Oh, so I bet I, I know approximately what county it is now. Yeah. Okay. Nice. Um, where was I? Oh, yeah. So anxiety. Okay, you're talking about anxiety. Yeah. So here is the absolute first time I ever had therapy. It was after the carjacking shit. Um, <laughs> about two months afterwards, I went home to mom and dad's over winter break. And I had a complete and utter meltdown. Um, because of the carjacking thing. I had come downstairs um, from the guest bedroom because I was relegated to the guest bedroom now. I no longer had a bedroom because growing up I had the biggest bedroom, long story, and mom and dad had taken it over. So I had to sleep okay. in the little tiny bedroom that used to be my brother's room, which brings all kinds of panic-inducing things in and of itself. Um, so you came downstairs. So I came downstairs. I got halfway down the stairwell and I completely collapsed. Like what? What do you mean? Like you just like crumpled? I suddenly physically? felt physically. I felt so completely overwhelmed by life. And this was after finals. And, and, and this is something I've learned about my anxiety. If I have something else to focus it on, I do okay. But if I don't have a major stressor to focus all my attention on, I crumble. And this was the first time I learned that because it was, it was winter break. I had nothing else going on, no classes, anything. I sat down in the middle of the stairway and just lost it. I cried. I could not stop crying. And this is where my absolutely perfect parents 
and complimentary parents came into play because mom immediately came over and hugged me and held me and just said, it's going to be okay. We're going to make it okay. You will get through this. This too shall pass. She did all that stuff and just held me and talked to me. And, and my dad's dad... like, suck it up, buttercup. <laughs> <laughs> no, actually, dad immediately got on the phone. Um, and because of his job, he had access to a lot of trauma counselors. Um, because his job, it... accidents didn't always happen. But when an accident happened at his work, it was incredibly traumatic and horrific. Right. Um, so they had trauma counselors on call. So he called his company and said, can you find a trauma counselor for my daughter while I was on the stairs crying? Wow. Um, so he came over and said, okay, I've got you a counselor. It's a 12 step program. Um, and we're, you start Monday and you will need to come to this town, which is an hour and a half away from where I was going to college, you will have to go there, but it'll be free. She's very well recommended and she will help you. And it was just the most perfect thing because that woman was amazing. Um, I had to pay nothing. I got to see mom and dad every weekend, um, which was just that much more of a help because she made sure my appointments were always on Monday morning. And it was fucking astounding. So it was my first therapy experience. And I'm like, this is pretty stellar. This is amazing. So um, then, of course, though, I still spiraled a little bit. I should have kept up with therapy rather than just, blah, 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 rather than just doing the 12-step thing. Because then I'm, I'm like, very, oh, I'm fine now. I'm fine now. Fixed. Um, <laughs> so no. many not fixed. Oh, no. I mean, you remember what it was like when we first met? Again, I kind of went back to the second grade thing. I didn't really necessarily want to talk unless I was really comfortable with the person. You were just kind of creepy and you'd like lurk and you'd be all, hi. <laughs> <laughs> hi. I know. I still don't know why the hell you hung out with me because I was just. I, well, like I said, I didn't really remember you at first. <laughs> and then you just kind of lurked around me and I'm like, hey, weird girl. <laughs> Sure, we could be friends. Thank you. And then, and then you were weird enough that I was like, okay, she's kind of okay. She's weird, <laughs> lurky, but that's fine. But it's entertaining. Yeah. <laughs> Every once in a while, you'd make a joke, and I'm like, hey, the weird girl made a joke. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever it is, I'm glad it worked. But um, the funny thing is, I never thought I was popular. Like, I was never popular ever. Nobody so, ever wanted to hang out with me. I'm shocked because you just come off as the most like, I'm going to walk into your room and own it person I've ever met my entire fucking life. Mm. Yeah, well, I guess you and my current boss, you two are like, I'm going to walk into your room and own it. Everyone love me. All right, good. We're good. <laughs> That's a lot of not what I do ever. <laughs> it's never been me. It may not not, work. It may not be what you intend to do, but it's what you do. No, that's what weird people think I do. <laughs> Whatever, you know, I, I call my boss the Aspie Whisperer. Maybe that's you too. <laughs> well, you know, Millie is, so I think it's very possible. Maybe there we I go. Maybe she gets it from me. Maybe. There we go. So, um, <laughs> no, so, that, that, 
I met Jillian and everything went awesome. But then I ended up in that first marriage and boy, if something wasn't like it, walking on eggshells every fucking day of your life, it was that six years I spent with DB. Were you really only with him for six years? Yeah. And even then only six years on a technicality. That's crazy town. It is crazy town. It felt like much less yet way fucking longer all at the same time. Um, so let's move on to how anxiety affects you now, how anxiety affects me now, now that you are a super woman and you have like this incredible job and you are super high power, you are composed, you understand your worth, you understand your abilities, you understand and believe in yourself. Now, how does anxiety affect you? Now, anxiety makes me a better attorney because every time something comes up, I think of all the stuff with a case that could go wrong. What could go wrong? What could people argue? What could they attack? And I nail it to the ground before we ever get to hearing. And I already know what they're, because I overthink everything. I already know what they overthink everything. Like, so you overthink shit that doesn't even need to be overthinked. I know, but uh, overthinked. That's awesome. Sorry, the grammar, the grammarian. I thought about saying overthought, but in this case, overthinked is the right word because you overthink things that, like you overthink, well, if I wear a red blazer, then people are going to think this about me. That's not even a thing. I know. It's... Okay, in real life, it doesn't work too well. But in professional life, it's actually really fucking valuable. So I try to channel it into productive outcomes now. So, because in all seriousness, if I overthink everything and I anticipate every argument they could possibly come up with, then when we get to hearing... That's super valuable. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's super valuable. I have my witnesses prepared because I've already in witness prep, I've already asked them every off the wall, fucking weird ass question that could come up. So when the hearing actually comes up and they're sitting there and getting cross-examined, they're like, Oh, I've dealt with worth worse than this. That's the best you can bring. Here's your answer. Do you find yourself still getting paralyzed by anxiety? Occasionally. Absolutely. And- occasionally. Right now it's coming with my house. Um, because we've been in the house a year and a half. We still have a shit ton of boxes. I haven't unpacked. Yeah. Um, we have we've been in the house almost a year and I have a crap ton of boxes out in the garage because we don't have a basement because mm. they don't do that here. And I have to go through all that shit and I could let T do it. Right. That's a thing that could happen, but that's just not going to happen because first of all, I don't really want him to do it. <laughs> I hope he doesn't listen to this particular episode. I don't want him to do it. I would like to do it because I can really make a better judgment. And I think he would keep everything. Mm. We have yeah. run into so many things that are like T's clothing. <laughs> Believe it or not, T has way more stuff than me. Partly because, as the former fatties thing, I got rid of a lot of clothing before we moved. And I've gotten rid of more clothing since we've been here. And I've got lots more clothing that's probably packed in one of those boxes out in the garage that I need to get rid of. Plus T has some 
And I mean, he's a very manly man, but at the same time, he has some feminine tendencies. I wouldn't say feminine. I would call him metrosexual. Okay, so T has some metrosexual tendencies, and he's very aware of, like, you don't wear a brown belt with black shoes kind of things. That would (sighs) drive him crazy. So he's very um, fashion forward. His mother drove that into him. She was super fashion conscious. Oh, she had the bedazzled neck brace? Yes. Yes. Yeah. I could see how that would have. She actually was a fashion model in New York for a while. She did runway stuff. I did not know that. She did indeed. Wow. And I think I want to say that's how she and his dad met, but I don't know for a fact. Wow. Crazy. But she definitely did that for a little while. And so when we lived in Michigan, she did the, you know how like teenagers do the whole, I'm going to go to the modeling class at the local mall and all that stuff. So, well, you don't know about that. But we had that at our mall, at, but at our big, like at our fancy department store, which was downtown. And she taught it. Cool. Yeah. <gasps> Oh, which my, did I tell you that Nina, because she signed with the modeling agency right. when we lived in a different town, she actually got called to um, present in front of Ford. <gasps> really? And she didn't get picked up, but she got called to present in front of them. That's amazing. I know. So it would have been incredible and very lucrative. No shit, right? So I know. Now I'm like, Who's Carly Claus's St. Louis agent? Can we get <laughs> Nina in with them? Right? <laughs> or in London, you know? Yeah. Which would make far more sense right now. Makes <laughs> a lot more sense. Mm. Like she wouldn't have to get a job or anything. She could just do that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but uh, I'm sure Nina's boyfriend, Freddie, would be fine with that. Oh, I'm sure he would be because he's so proud of her. It's, yeah. They are. She's they are. Beautiful. Oh, they're they're both ridiculously into each other, and it's really adorable. So, yeah. yeah. Uh, but uh, um, are that did I tell you about? I don't remember where I was going with that. No. Yeah. <laughs> okay. yeah. Oh, okay. I forgot. I remember. Okay. <laughs> now, when um, DB and I got divorced. Um, or when we were initially separated and she went to spend Thanksgiving with him and his family for a week. Um, you rem- I don't know if you remember, um, because that was during the time period when you were making me leave my apartment at least weekly to like yeah. engage in life. Yeah. <laughs> um, that week of Thanksgiving, um, I was so anxious and so much wanting to find an outlet for the anxiety that I beaded a whole bunch of stuff to sell at my um, jobs craft fair. I completely repainted her entire bedroom set (laughs) (laughs) and I completely overhauled the apartment while she was gone. No, I don't remember that. Uh, I just, I went fucking nuts because I could not sit still while she was gone. It drove me crazy, her being away from me. Kind of like when T and Millie went away from you. I'm like, this is the focus of my world right now. 
what can I do? I will do 90,000 things for her while she is gone because I used all the money from the craft fair to buy her Christmas present that year. Sure. So, which by the way, DB's family bought her the exact fucking thing I did, which pissed me off because I worked a hell of a lot harder for it. Harder for it. You said hoarder. I did say hoarder, which also applies. Oh, so that's where I was earlier. So what overwhelms me now? My house, because not only do we have tons of shit in the basement, but it's so big, I don't know how to clean it. Because you remember the dollhouse that Nina and I lived in? Yeah, it was so sweet. Yeah, I could keep that clean because it was 810 square feet. Girl, I'm going to tell you something. Yes, please. You can hire somebody. I'm going to, as soon as we get a tad more money. No, just hire somebody now. It doesn't cost that much. You can hire somebody to help you with the cleaning part. And then all you have to do is the organizing. And that lets you go through the boxes one at a time, get rid of stuff you don't want, and get rid of every, you know, keep stuff you do. But here's another thing about my anxiety. I was so poor for so long. It scares me to spend money that I'm not entirely sure we have. Yeah, well, you do. I know, but... You I don't do. Know. No, you do. I'm oh. telling you this now. You have it. Mm. You can mm. do it for like $200 a month. You know, Nina's car is almost paid off. That would be less than that car payment. There you go. Which, by the way, in retrospect, why do I have a car when she didn't even live in the country? But at the same time, I don't mind having three cars because it relieves an anxiety. If my car breaks down, I've got a spare. That's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. I know. This is my life. And this is me on searching, feeling better than I used to. And this is me telling you that's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. Which is more important? Relieving your everyday anxiety that one thing may happen. Because if your car breaks down, one of two things. One, you have car insurance. And your car insurance has a rider on it that says, hey, my car insurance will pay for a backup. <laughs> Two, you can always get a loaner from your dealership. But this is what it's like living with anxiety. Your mind goes through all these different potentials. Just or, be logical, though. But you're also a very logical person. Yes. So put the logic out there. And I'm not saying that anxiety fails. Like I under I I see it with Millie. I see it. And I understand that you can't always logic your way out of it. However, in this case, what I'm telling you is you A can alleviate some of your own anxiety by spending two hundred dollars a month. What could you give up that would cost two hundred dollars a month? You first of all, I know for a fact you don't have to give up anything to use two hundred dollars a month. I know that. <laughs> Secondly, I also know that that two hundred dollars a month could be spent on alleviating a huge part of your anxiety. Fair, fair, and it would make your daily life better. What's the downside? What's the downside? 
<laughs> See, because here's the logical. I know for a fact she's not gonna do it. <laughs> That's how I roll. Um, she's gonna just like humor me, and then she'll be like, "Yeah, that's true. That's a great idea." And then she's just gonna go right on feeling anxious and like getting an ulcer and whatever. And I'm gonna be like, "But you could have done this," and she won't. Well, which you know, I and I'm gonna keep on spending forty bucks every month or so on my bougie ice because I will give up cutting my hair because the bougie ice is worth it to me. And if something happens and I get a raise, then I can get bougie ice and get my hair cut. <laughs> it's, I, uh, I don't even, I can't logically respond to that. Damn you logic. So... Because you make no sense. I make sense. And this goes back to Always, never, right. Touche. Touche. <laughs> so I think at this part, I think we've pretty thoroughly covered this part. And and I think we're both sort of barely coherent. <laughs> <laughs> I Clearly, will go for Gina is not coherent. She's not making any sense at all. <laughs> Sometime I want to come back to this because I do have things on my notes that are left unsaid, but I will unsay continue to unsay them for the time being <laughs> we can do another episode about this or we can work in some anxiety in some other places oh we can kind um, of mel brooks it the big thank you hi anxiety uh but the big thing about anxiety is go to a therapist get medicated because this is the closest to normal i've ever felt in my life and it feels really awesome um do you feel and- more functional in the world like now that you're medicated do you feel like you actually make better choices Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Because, um, well, okay, I I do have to get one more story in because it's Let's hilarious. It. Okay. Yeah, a little time. Kind of with the anxiety and overthinking thing. Um, so Nina, <laughs> shocker, Nina, when, when I first left your dad, we lived in my sister's basement for a while. And um, which meant we, we lived with my two nephews, um, J and T, who... Well, T2. Beowulf. Let's call them, you live with your two nephews, Billy and Bobby. Billy and Bobby. So I lived, thank you. So I live with Billy and Bobby. And um, one time uh, my parents came up on a Friday to just kind of hang out because it was a rough time and we were living in the basement and la 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 la. And um, Billy and Bobby used to play with Nina all the time because we raised them practically like siblings. They were with each other all the damn time. Um, But Bobby, the younger one, um, always wanted to make Nina happy. And we were there one day when mom and dad were up and um, Bobby brought out this big jar of coins and we're like, don't give nina a coin she's only three she's gonna she's gonna swallow it i know where this is going (laughs) i know and it gets better and better so he gave her a penny which automatically went into her mouth and then automatically went down her air pipe so me being the anxiety ridden woman i am sat there and went oh no i should give her the heimlich except there's a different Heimlich you give younger children because it doesn't damage them so much because their little bones are still growing. But 
what is the age cutoff for that? I do not remember the age cutoff for when you do the old, the toddler Heimlich versus the older Heimlich. I know it too. I would give her the toddler Heimlich, but it, do I do that at three? And as I'm sitting here trying to logic all this shit out because I can't process anything any other way, my sister is like, all right, and grabs her and runs upstairs and starts giving her the typical Heimlich over the sink. So she coughs up the penny and then swallows it. So we're mom and my sister and I are upstairs and um, Nina's just like, ah, cause she's panicking at this point. Cause go figure she inherited my anxiety. <laughs> um, and uh, so we're sitting there and my mom's going, hold her upside down and shake her, hold her upside down and shake her. So my sister looks at her and says, I'm so sorry. And whips her upside down. Hold her, holds her by the ankles and starts shaking her, trying to shake the penny out. Of course, it didn't come out. So uh, my mom then goes to the next thing she uses for when you accidentally swallow a fishbone. Have her eat some bread. That'll push it down. Have you ever never accidentally swallowed a fishbone? Is it just me? No, I didn't know that was a thing. People did. That's a thing. Welcome to Catfish on the Missouri River. Anyway, well um... <laughs> So she, uh, she ate bread and then I called, ask a nurse and I'm like, okay, so my daughter Nina swallowed a penny. Do we need to go to the doctor? Is this okay? And ask a nurse goes, what year was the penny minted? And I'm like, I really cannot tell you that right now. Um, but thanks for asking. Um, she's like, okay, well, it's very rare in the forties. Apparently there was this time period when they used a metal that didn't work so well, but she goes, but you're going to have to watch, make sure it comes out because if it doesn't come out, you're going to have to get her x-rayed. And I'm like, okay. So it occurs to me, she's going to stay with DB this weekend. I need to call and alert him as to what his parental duties are going to include for the next three days. So I called first his work phone. He wasn't there, so I left a voicemail. Towards the end of the voicemail, when I said exactly, basically, you're going to have to dig through her shit, my mom starts laughing a little bit in the background. So I make the second phone call. I try his uh, cell phone. Still didn't get him. Got the message. As I get closer to the you're going to have to dig through her shit part, my mom is now very audibly laughing in the background because she can't handle it. <laughs> She's like, I love that story. Fucking great. So then I called his home phone. Still didn't answer. Left the third message. This time, mom and I are both completely losing our shit on the voicemail because we're like, you're going to have to dig through her shit. <laughs> it was great. So weekend goes by. Nothing appears. Uh, Monday, I'm like, fuck. So I have to take her to the doctor, get x-rayed. We go in, get the x-ray. It is moving along through her system. We walk out into the waiting room. She points at her stomach and announces to the, everyone in the waiting room, doctor says the penny's right here. So everyone laughs, has a great day. Um, that night, boom. She lays one out in the toilet. I sit there. I get a pair of gloves. I get a little thing. I poke it. I locate a penny. So I call DB to say that the penny has been found. He need not look anymore. And I mentioned about, you know, so I put on some gloves and I went in there and he goes, wait, you use gloves? At which oh point I laughed my ass off all over again. And I immediately called my mother. Mom, of what? course. So I have to tell you, yes, related and unrelated 
at the same time, but I think it goes to the anxiety about kids. One time, um, when I was very little, I think I was maybe four, three or four, we lived in Tulsa and some friends of ours had come to visit and my parents used to like to go to the campus of Oral Roberts University just because it's a really pretty campus and they have these big seven, they have seven or 10 or something like that baptismal pools where they did at the time, like that were just like, I'll say littering the campus. You can walk around and they'd have all these pools. And I was, I remember walking along the edge of the sidewalk and the grass because it was like really low grass and the, it was a very sharp edge and I was like balancing on the edge, you know, walking on like a tightrope. So I remember doing that. And then I don't remember what happened, but somehow I tripped and I went into one of these baptismal pools (laughs) that were like four feet deep. They're long, like they're deep pools. And I was little, I was less than four feet tall. So I couldn't swim. And I was down I was down under the water and my dad said he was standing up at the top and I kind of vaguely have a memory of looking up through the water and seeing people standing up above me. (laughs) And my dad said he was standing there thinking, Oh my God, she's in the water. I've got to, got to, you know, take off my, should I take off my shoes before I jump in? Should I just jump in? (laughs) And at this point, his friend looks at him and goes, can she swim? (laughs) (laughs) So like that kind of goes to your penny anxiety, like that overthinking, like, what should I do? Should I do this kind of Heimlich? Should I do that kind of Heimlich? What kind of thing should I do? I think it's, I think that is a natural instinct when it comes to your kids. Because overthinking can be paralyzing. It can be. Well, he stood there for, I don't know how long and I'm underneath the water, like blub, blub, blub. And he's trying to figure out whether or not he should take off his shoes. In the end, just so you know, he didn't take off his shoes. He just jumped in and picked me up. And of course, they got all kinds of nasty looks from people walking around. And there's like this big prayer tower. You can like look out the prayer tower at the people down below. And all the people in the prayer tower were like saying things. And security came out and got us. Because you're not supposed to swim in there. It's not swimming. Though it's pseudo drowning, so I'm not supposed to pseudo drown. <laughs> oh my gosh, you've been baptized. I've been baptized at Oral Roberts University. <laughs> you know, one of my favorite things ever is the Sunday because I'm United Methodist, you're Unitarian. One of my favorite things was the Sunday you texted me, Happy Zombie Jesus Day, <laughs> enjoy your casseroles and coffee. <laughs> And I responded back, yep, happy Sunday, enjoy, enjoy your vegan casseroles and free trade coffee. <laughs> yeah, well, at least we have free trade coffee that you can drink in the service. That's right. There, and if yeah. you want more, you can go get it and then go, go back in. We have to wait until after. <laughs> All right. So anyway. we did cover everything, don't you think? I, I think we mostly covered everything. There are a few bibs and bobs here and there but not enough to drag this out another two hours <laughs> although i'm having a fucking great time <laughs> this has been fun and i'm uh, pretty smashed me too holy hell this is great 
thank you so much for tuning in today. I hope you'll join us again. We hope you'll join us again next week. We promise we will continue to get better each week. I think we are doing better. I think, I think we're better than we were the first week. And even the first week, we didn't suck. I, I know. And, and, you know, Jillian's handling a lot of the, like, the website and all that. And I'm handling the editing, the episodes. Last week, I barely had to edit anything out. And I'm thinking there are only a couple of spots here that are going to have to go. And mostly just because, well, me. Um, <laughs> right on. But, but, yeah, the one thing I, I do want to reiterate Please remember, we are not professional advice givers. We are just people who've lived a lot. Um, and I've lived a particularly odd amount of stuff while, you know, Jillian Jeez. is. Yeah. Jillian's. I've lived a lot. I've done a lot of things. You've done a lot of things and you have lived a lot. You've just done it much more with the normal parameters than. Have I? I just. Well, no. Maybe I just coast and I don't even. You know, maybe mine's more about like not giving a shit. I think yours is what I wish I could do. Maybe I have an apathy problem. Is that a thing? Like, is there an apathy disease? I don't like, know. But what's Nina's, the opposite of anxiety? Apathy. Nina's studying applied psychology. I'll ask her to diagnose you. She so. can help us. Yeah, she can help us. Yes. Uh, but anyway, but to the point being, if you have anxiety or depression issues, please, for the love of God, find a therapist and get medication if medication is appropriate, because I shit you not, it has changed my life for the better so much I cannot even describe. I will I feel... say she's much more stable than she was a while back. Oh, yeah. So much better. Oh, my so, Lord, yes. Definitely. Yeah. So please seek out someone who does this shit for real. Yes. If we can get anything through to you today, that is it. So. Yeah, and and please understand that we believe that you are worthwhile. We believe that you are absolutely worth the help, and you are worth the time that it takes to get the help and the medication, and you are important. You are. You are important to someone, I guarantee it. You're important to us. You you're, are. I, I mean, you're an important cog in this in this machine of the world. So just go do what you need to do to be you. You have, I guarantee you, you've had an impact on someone's life. You just have. And it's been a positive one. Even if you don't believe it, I swear to God it has been. So. So that was total downer right there at the end. But hopefully this has been another entertaining and scintillating episode of Always. Never. Right. I'm Jill Farrell. And I'm Gina Biggs. Who <laughs> can almost say her name she's effectively. The, she's got the hiccups. Yeah, I'm but... Jill Farrell. <laughs> and I'm Gina Biggs. And we'll talk to you next week. Please have a cocktail with us, but don't pour yourself a double. It's just asking for trouble. <laughs> <laughs> Bye. <laughs> and stop recording.